The main text for tonight is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And again, the title for tonight is The Cross or the Crowd. In Matthew 7, the Bible speaks of two different paths, a wide path and a narrow path. This is from the New Living Translation, verse, uh, verse number 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Verse 14, but the gateway of life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. The gateway to life is very narrow. Now, if you know other parts of Scripture, the gate, the gate is Jesus. The gate to the sheep pen is Jesus. Jesus is the gate. It says there are only a few who find it. It also says that the, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And I thought, Lord, why is the road difficult? Is it is the road difficult because you made it difficult? And I realized, no, that's not what it is. It's difficult because once you become a Christian, the Bible says whoever wants to live righteous in this world will suffer persecution. It's difficult, not because God made it difficult, because once you declare for Christ, then the attacks become intense. The more you live for Christ, the more attacks you will experience and the more intense they will be. If you're doing nothing for Christ, then you're probably not going to experience attacks. Why attack somebody who's not even a threat? If in a sporting event, a player in any sport is a threat initially, but then they fall down on the field, eh, let him go and go defend somebody else because this person is no longer a threat. In some sports, if you run out of bounds, you can't come back in. So if somebody runs out of bounds, well, they're no longer a threat. Who on this field can I guard now? So if we don't play by the rules, we step out of bounds, we're no longer a threat to the devil. If we're sitting on the bench, we're definitely not a threat. All, all you can do is cheer on your team, go team! But you're not a threat to advancing the ball or to scoring. And the devil knows these things. So whoever wants to live godly in this life is going to suffer persecution. Now, Jesus, again, talks about two roads, two paths. I want you to remember that. There are two paths. On the one path, the Bible says it's wide and many choose that way. That's the crowd. That's the crowd. There are a lot, there's a crowd, according to this, is going to hell. And that shouldn't make you laugh. That should break your heart. And then it says the gateway to life is very narrow and only a few ever find it. Those are people who are following the cross. Verse 21, chapter 7, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. And I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. And so the Bible is very clear that, number one, there's a path that leads to righteousness. Number two, there's a path that leads to, uh, to life. And, and also then, not everybody gets in. Not everybody gets in. If heaven is just like here, I don't want to go. Which is not to say I don't want to see people in heaven. I do. But if I'm living like the devil, don't commit my life to Christ, don't have my sins forgiven, the Bible is very, very clear that without Christ you are lost. You have no hope, and the penalty of your sin will be taken out from you. So let's be aware of these things, the cross or the crowd. So we want to look at the way of the crowd. 
the way of the crowd. What's the crowd do? What do they look like? How are they trying to conduct themselves? How do they try to influence us? Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. This is where Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate has this interaction with Jesus. And he has an interaction with the crowd that's there. You know the story. This is where Jesus is condemned and Barabbas is let go. That's the part of the story we're looking at. So Mark chapter 15, verse number 1. Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Verse 6. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at that time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Verse number 9, would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews, Pilate asked? Verse number 11, uh, but at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked the crowd, then what should I do with him? Or what should I do with this man called king of the Jews? And the crowd shouted back, crucify him. And Pilate said, why? What crime has he committed? Uh, But the crowd roared even louder, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, set Barabbas free for them. And having Jesus whipped, he handed handed him over to be crucified. So we want to look at a few things here. We're talking about... The crowd, the, the cross of the crowd, what are you following? And we see that in this story, the crowd is mentioned multiple times. We see that Pilate is influenced by the crowd because the crowd often is trying to influence people. Number one, I'll give you a couple of points here. But my number one is, uh, is don't seek advice. Don't seek the world's advice. Don't seek the world's advice. Don't try to get the opinion of those who are heathens. Don't try to find out how to make the best decision from those who don't even know God. So in verse number 12, this is where Pilate asked the crowd. Pilate asked this mob, this group of people who are seething, who has been worked up by the priests, by the religious people. He asked them, what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? As if he's going to get the best response from these people. They've been worked up. The religious leaders have encouraged them to cry out for Barabbas. The religious leaders have instructed them to call out for the crucifixion of Jesus. In our lives, we need to not follow the crowd. The crowd is going to cry out for things that are not good. The the, the crowd is going to give us advice that is not sound advice. The crowd is going to lead us down a path of destruction in the same way that they were leading Pilate down a path of destruction. Now, Pilate is certainly, along the way, if you read the different accounts in the different Gospels, Pilate has an awareness that this this guy, Jesus, may actually be the Son of God. Because the Bible said he gets scared at one point. He becomes fearful of who Jesus is. So are you following the cross or the crowd? Number two, don't negotiate. Number two, don't negotiate. You know, many years ago, it's fallen out of vogue, but, and people like 
some people have actually told me you shouldn't say that anymore, but I'm going to say it anyway, and that is, uh, I believe it was the former president said, uh, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And somebody who's wicked, somebody who's evil, somebody who is working on the devil's behalf, they're a terrorist. And we should not negotiate with terrorists. We should not negotiate with the unbelieving. Verse 14, when they call out to crucify Jesus, the crowd cries out, calls out to, cries out to crucify Jesus, Pilate says, why? Why? What crime has he committed? This point, I could kind of have this sense that Pilate's trying to negotiate something here. Maybe we, can, maybe we can come to an agreement or a deal. Let's, let's see, what, a plea bargain. Let's find out what's the best for you and the best for me. But in the negotiation process, it all breaks down immediately. This is a mob, this is a crowd, and they have no desire to negotiate. And uh, the second part of the verse says, but the crowd or the mob roared even louder, crucify him. These are not peaceful people. You remember all those peaceful protests the last few years? You remember all those peaceful protests? That's, the, that's, that's what this mob was like. They were just peaceful people. Lighting fires, burning buildings, killing people. That was peaceful. Remember that? Am I, am I in the wrong room? Do you remember that or not? And this is what the devil would have us to believe. There's peaceful people. Crucify him. It's just a peaceful mob. But we don't negotiate with these people. And so Pilate's trying to find a way to work a deal here. But the mob is not going to let him off the hook. Now listen, negotiating with people doesn't work. History tells us negotiating with, with hostile people doesn't work. Chamberlain tried to do it with, with uh, Hitler. It didn't work. Appeasement doesn't work. If you, just do, you know, if you just leave my family alone and, you know, then go ahead and do what you want, it's okay. No, it doesn't work. And so negotiation is not something you want to do with the enemy. In many instances, negotiation will lead to compromise. In many instances, negotiation, negotiating will work or will lead to compromise. And that's what it did with Pilate. Pilate... First ask the people, what do you guys want? I'm going to get your wisdom on this. Crucify him. Well, hold up, hold up. Come on. He's not, come on, this man's innocent as far as I could tell. He's done nothing wrong. Let's make a deal here. Crucify him. Every, every step he tries to take is not working. So who is, who is Pilate following? Is he following the cross or the crowd? Number three, don't compromise. Don't compromise. Verse 15, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd. Satisfy who? The crowd. Now, Pilate's reached the point that he, he just wants to appease the crowd. Just give them what they want, and maybe they'll leave me alone. Now, if you read another one of the Gospels, John in particular, the Bible says that they told, they told Pilate, anybody who's a friend of this man, is not a friend of Caesar. So Pilate's actually worried not just about the crowd, but now he's worried about they're going to go tell Caesar that he's got a, a sector of the country that he can't control. It's out of control. Pilate's worried about losing his job. Compromise comes a lot of times when we're threatened. We're threatened with our own jobs. We're threatened with our livelihoods. We're threatened with the home we live in. You're not going to be able to live here anymore. We're threatened to be able to get food. It's coming to that too. 
to things being created in such a way that unless you decide to consent, you're going to be left out of things that you might consider basic necessities. The world is moving that direction. Pilate is put on the spot, and wishing to satisfy the crowd, he decides to set Barabbas free. Barabbas is a murderer. He lets him go. This is what the crowd wanted. But not only did they want, that they want Barabbas set free, but they also wanted Jesus crucified. So Pilate completely abandons all rational thought. He's concerned about his position. He's, he's concerned about his rating in the community, and specifically with Caesar. And after having Jesus whipped, he handed him over to be crucified. This all started with asking the ungodly what they wanted, then trying to negotiate a deal with them, and then going completely into compromise. The question for you and me tonight is, what are you following? Are you following the cross, or are you following the crowd? How often have we sided with the crowd just to avoid, avoid conflict? How often have we sided with the crowd just to avoid conflict? How many times have we compromised our convictions just to fit in? Now, it might get silent in here because we've all had those moments. You might be sitting there, not me. We've all had these moments. How often have we settled so that our Christian brothers and sisters wouldn't think we were Jesus freaks? Come on, we're even sometimes afraid of our own brothers and sisters in the Lord, man. I don't want to think I'm a little fanatic here. In the world, the word fanatic is shortened to fan. Because people don't like the word fanatic. But come on, if you're a, you're a, are you a fan of Jesus? If you're a fan of Jesus, you can't be a fan of the world. And so if somebody thinks you're a fanatic, so be it. But you have to get to that point in your own heart. If somebody thinks I'm a Jesus freak, if somebody thinks I'm a fanatic about Jesus, somebody thinks I'm just too zealous to, then so be it. So we're not going to compromise. It's okay to compromise preferences, but it's not okay to compromise your principles. As soon as you compromise your principles, you're on the way to destruction. Preferences are different. Preferences are like, honey, what color should we paint? Or what, do you, what color would you like it painted? <laughs> Which car should we get? I don't know. What car do you want to get? Should I get chips or should I get french fries? Those are all preferences. They're not, they, have, they have no moral bearing on anything. But when it comes to our principles, we should never compromise our principles. But this is something that we have to cultivate in our own hearts and our own mind. I am not going to compromise. I'm not going to abandon my convictions for the sake of this moment in time. I live in the same world you do. I'm well aware that in some of those moments, the conviction that I hold is being challenged by one or more people in my presence. And will I stand on my conviction or will I cave because of one or more people who are disapproving or don't like my lifestyle. There are many who are living sinful lives, and they're certainly not, they're not caving to my lifestyle and my belief system. Things come out every day. Every day in the news, there's some other company. You're like, and I don't know if you have this question in your mind, but I do. It probably comes out of my mouth sometimes. Why? Why are you doing this? Were you not making money already? You think this is going to make you more money? 
And there are people who want me to comp- compromise my conviction. Man, so look at that. Aren't you, are you okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. This is not okay. This is not right. This is not good. So we're not, we're not going to compromise. When possible, we'll find common ground with unbelievers. But we may find common ground, but you should never give ground. You know, I try to find common ground with people in different, different arenas, but when there is no common ground, guarantee one thing, I'm not giving ground. I'm not bending over. I'm not going to be folded up like a cheap suit. I'm not going to allow myself to just wilt before people. Now, saying those things, right, I sound all tough and everything, but these are qualities that we have to cultivate in ourselves. So when we face the challenge, because you're never going to know what you're made of until you actually face those moments. You, we could talk all day long, man. I'm, I'm going to fight for the cause of Christ until somebody stands up to you. <laughs> and yet, I believe in this room, every one of you who is a believer, man, you, you want to stand up for the cause of Christ. I believe that. But you have to have a firm conviction. That conviction has to be established deep in your heart. Thy word is truth. As Carter said, sometimes he didn't have answers for certain things, but he knew what the Word of God said. And so he wasn't going to bend to this philosophy. Now, if, you're not, if you never have cultivated the art of debate, <laughs> uh, I recommend you never get in an argument or a debate with a philosopher because they are well-versed in what they do and they will bury you. I went to college... I was my junior year. I took a philosophy of religion class. I thought religion and Christianity, but that's not what it was. It was all kinds of religions. And the professor, I got angry one day, calls on me, and I make a statement, and he just humiliated me, embarrassed me, because I had no response to anything he said. Uh. Jesus is Lord. Okay, young man, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's all I've got. And it's not that I didn't believe it, but there's no, I realized it probably wasn't a good idea for me to engage in that argument. Probably a bad idea at that moment. So compromise, and some other ways we compromise too, is just things we keep in our lives that need to go. And compromise says you can have your idol and keep Jesus too. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says have no other gods before me. God does not share his creation. And so we need to look in our closets and find out, man, do we have any idols here that need to go? And I'm not telling, trying to make up something, but I'm saying if there's some things that you're holding up as near and dear and you know they're ungodly, unrighteous, and holy, they need to go. Because that's also compromise. And we compromise our position, then we become weak. What are you following? Are you following the cross or are you following the crowd? Number four, don't be self-centered. Don't be self-centered. This is from Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires, desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The Amplified says, deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own self-interests. Take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living and, if need be, in dying also. Now you say, that's, that's pretty tough. That's Christianity. 
Are you going to have to lay your life down for the cause of Christ? I don't know. People have. There are martyrs even in this day and age. I don't believe that most people are called to be martyrs, but are you willing to not just live for Christ, but die for him too? This is Christianity. We're called to do some hard things. We're called to live for Christ, and it's not popular anymore to live for Christ. It's not even popular in America to live for Christ. There used to be a time you could say you're a Christian, and people would just leave you alone. But now you could tell people you're a Christian, people will just outright attack you, call you a hater, call you, call, call you, call you evil. Right now they're calling good evil, light, darkness. Christians are the problem. And so we're at that point in the world. So we need to know what we're following. Are we going to follow the crowd or are we going to follow the cross? So don't be self-centered. It's time we deny ourselves. And he said daily. Come on. Deny yourself daily. Pick up your cross daily. Follow him daily. People talk about the armor of God. So you know you're never supposed to take the armor off. Okay, fine. You put your armor on once. But the denying and the raising up your cross, taking up your cross, and the following Christ, that's a daily pursuit. It means every day. Here we go again. I'm ready to go. Let's go, coach. Come on, when I coach would tell us stuff, we, man, we get so excited. Come on, all right, let's go, coach. <laughs> go out and meet the enemy. So I've got to wrap this up because I'm, I'm already a minute and a half over. So let me wrap this up here. Don't partner with unbelievers, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. The Message Bible says, don't be partners with those who reject God. Don't be partners with those who reject God. Come on, how many are compromising that way? How many in the body of Christ are doing that? How can, how can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? The answer is, you can't. That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with darkness? No. Does Christ go strolling with the devil? No. Does trust and mis- do, do trust and mistrust hold hands? No. Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? And that's exactly what we are, a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I will live in them, move in them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me. What are you following, the cross or the crowd? We are all called to follow Christ, to follow after what he's provided at the cross, to pursue God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Yes, the world is encroaching. Yes, the ideas are, are there. And yes, the, the wickedness is evident. And yes, it's, it's coming very near to where we are. And we can see it's actually infiltrating many, many churches. And I'm determined that in this church, Pastor Rob and I are determined in this church, we're not going to have that foolishness. We're not going to deviate from the Word of God. Not because Pastor Rob and I are special. It's because the Word of God is special. And the Word of God is already true. And the Word of God is already alive. There's no reason for me to add to it. There's no reason for me to take away from it. It's the Word of, the word of God, which is, which is uh, bread. And that bread will sustain us. That bread will give us true life, genuine life. So we're not going to compromise the Word of God in this church. This is Church United Naples. This is where the Word of God is preached. I, we try to say that frequently to you because we want you to know that's what we intend to continue doing. 
not to deviate from it, but to embrace it wholeheartedly and to continue to preach it and teach it. Come on, stand up, rise up, be who you are in Christ. Don't shrink back. Don't fall away. Don't let the world dictate to you how things are. God's already declared how things are. There's no reason for you to shrink back. Are there going to be difficult times and tough times and challenging times because you're a Christian? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But he never said you weren't going to have difficulty. I repeat these scriptures often because I want you to be aware of this. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, trouble, trial, challenges. He said, the world's going to hate you. Follow me. Come on, he never sugarcoated it. That's a different gospel. That sugarcoated gospel, that's a different gospel. He said, follow me. By the way, the world's going to hate you. Follow me. You're going to have trouble. Follow me. You want to live righteous? You're going to be persecuted. Follow me. Are you following the cross or are you following the crowd? He said, did say, he added some other things to these verses, though. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Hey, the world's going to hate you, but you need to know one thing. It hated me before it hated you. It's really me that they're hating and you're my representative, so of course, why wouldn't they hate you too? Now, I don't know if that makes you feel better, but it makes me feel better. Like this whole thing called Christianity, the, 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 it is tough. The road is difficult, not because God has made it difficult. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has imparted His Spirit to the inside of us. God has uh, uh, given us his, his, his Word which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God has equipped us in so many ways. We have armor to help protect us. Why? Because this is a battle. It's a real battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle that's being waged against everyone who's called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. It's a battle being waged against you and against me. It's a battle being waged against this church and other churches that preach Christ. Paul, before he departed, said, I have fought the good fight. I'm going to go way back on this one, but he didn't sing Tiny Tim's song, Tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> it wasn't a tiptoe through the tulips. He said, I fought the good fight. God's calling you and me to fight the good fight. But come on, this is a question for you to answer. What are you following, the cross or the crowd?